This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Wheel, the premier ag tire and wheel provider in North America. Get a grip. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 109. And my guest this week is Eric McPherson of Dawson Tire and Wheel. So, Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks, Casey. Thanks so, for having me again. Oh, no. Really it is my pleasure to have you on, man. So, it's been a little bit since we talked. I think the last time we had a conversation was about, oh, June, July time frame, something like that. Wanted to reach back out to you and get your feel for what you see happening out there and, and what you see going on. Uh, I'm sure tire issues are, are a uh, pretty big deal right now, especially with the uh, overall kind of harvest conditions that we're having across all of the Corn Belt for the most part, and, and especially out here in the Panhandle. So why don't you give me a little rundown of, of what you see happening out there and, and what the feel for uh, the business is right now. Yeah, well, it's, it comes as no surprise that harvest is really wet it's created a lot of tension we've been doing a lot of super wide tires on combines just to get machines through the field a lot of pictures that customers are sending us you know trying to harvest beans in Iowa and Illinois and standing water just just to try and get beans out and, and then through corn again so feel sorry for the guys out there trying to mud their crap out their crop out but that's that's my immediate feedback on how harvest is going no it's i've heard that you know we've been hearing the same stuff across the board um you know i everywhere i've talked to for the most part has some sort of delay whether they've gotten a bunch of rain um late or they had some kind of drought condition or you know whatever that is um this harvest has been a been a tough one, and uh, it, it's going to continue to be a tough one. It sounds like there's uh, the areas that have gotten a lot of rain or, or continue to get that rain, and, and you know out here where we're at in the in the Panhandle of Nebraska and uh, western Nebraska down in eastern Colorado, um, we had a bit of a snowstorm come through here yesterday. Not too big, not nothing too crazy. Uh, I think the further east you went, the worst it got. But um, you know, as, as the snow comes in. Uh, it will kind of uh, bring things to a halt for a little while and let, let things kind of get settled back down. But I've also seen plenty of videos and plenty of pictures on Twitter and everywhere else of, of guys combining corn in a blizzard. So, I, you know, auto track's amazing when you can't see, I guess. Definitely a lot of, a lot of tension. The other thing I've been hearing, especially in, in the area that, that we're really concentrated in, is really good yields. Yeah. So, I think, you know, in central Nebraska here where I'm at, 10 to 15% better yields. And um, I was talking to our, we have a service truck in Illinois and he'd been doing some work, soybeans coming in and 90 plus bushel an acre. And so I think that's gonna be a glimmer of hope in it and the piles of corn you're seeing well, around the country. Yeah. There must be a few bushels there. Yeah. We had, a, we had a, one of our customers that grows organic corn, he was getting 180 bushel an acre. So that's uh, that's pretty pretty good for organic corn. So that was uh, 
that's a that's a big plus. But you know, a lot of our guys, everyone I've talked to, they're all very, uh, they're all talking big big bushels. You know, no one's no one has anything out there right now that that shows there are any any real real losers in our in our immediate area. And and uh, it'll be interesting to see how uh, how that plays out through uh, the end of the year into that January crop report and and see what that that looks like. Cause it sounds like you know I haven't seen I haven't had a chance to to pull up today's. Uh, November report and take a look at it, but it, it feels like a, you know a lot of folks I've talked to said a lot of things about how uh, you know yields may not be as good as what as what they actually have predicted through the USDA. So you know it'll be interesting to see how that works out, and you know nobody really knows what what each year was until uh, until everything's in the bin and everything's counted. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out through the end of the year. Now I did. Uh, I don't know. We deal with some manufacturers too just on the on the pivot side and you know talk to some guys in the equipment manufacturing world they're all predicting 2019 to be really strong i was talking to a pivot manufacturer the other day and they're projecting 20 percent plus growth for for next year and i i really wonder how that's lining up with how the producers are really feeling how next year is going to go or whether whether there's some boards of directors that are just hoping for really good years next year in the equipment side. Yeah. Do you hear anything around like that? Or? Well, I mean, I think from our perspective, we're going to have, I mean, I feel like at the end of the year, we're going to have, we're going to sell some equipment. Um, and I feel like it's going to spill over in 2019. And a lot of it has to do with the fact of on, on the farm equipment side of the business that guys have, they're at that point of either making some tough decisions about, is it time to, to really spend some money on reconditioning or is it time to, to update that machine? And, I, and that's what's driving the marketplace. Um, it's not some big pile of money someplace. You know, uh, um, it, it's that, you know, wh- where, where's that line of diminishing returns and, and where do I make that decision at moving forward? And I, I think that's what's driving that market 100% right now. Um, and I think you, you probably have to feel a little bit of that on your side, especially, you know, with some machinery that we're bringing in on trade, the, the tires are uh, probably a little bit thinner than we've seen in the past just because they've been ran a little bit longer. Um, they try to squeeze every every hour that they can out of, out of productivity out of those machines. So what are you seeing out there on your side is from the tire the tire business side of the, of the uh, equation? No, that's, we are seeing a lot of that. We're, we're actually doing a lot of business in the, in the equipment dealer world on lease returns right now. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of tractors machinery coming back on lease that aren't meeting the specifications especially from deer on on tires for lease of getting a lot of that business and the other thing that has remained very strong is the sprayer business across north america and we do a lot of flotation tires and wheels for that's just stayed really strong even through this downturn must be one piece of equipment that still there's a lot of growing demand for yeah there that is one end of the business where i see some spare business has stayed fairly consistent um we had a pretty big dip i think in the past you know like around 14 they had a pretty big dip in the market as far as used equipment getting um a little bit long in the tooth but since then it's it's been uh it's kind of picked up a little bit and uh we're, we're seeing some movement there um I see a lot of ads that you have on, on Twitter and Facebook about floater tires for for uh, sprayers. So it looks like there's a uh, uh, either one of two things: the manufacturer needs to sell some tires, or there's a there's a somewhat of a demand out there for it. No, there is definitely a demand, and it seems like people are getting 
smarter. I don't know if that's the right word, but they're, they're getting more cognizant of what compaction is doing to crops as, as they get, as the education in the tire world comes around. So just, there's been a lot of, a lot of wider tires going on that equipment to, to sort of manage, manage compaction and, and get through fields, even if it's not wet, but just better ride and less compaction. So it's, it's, that helps drive demand as well. Where do you see a lot of these tire applications going into? Are they going into more of the uh, ag service provider, the custom sprayer guy, or do you see more of them going to the end user farmer application? Where do you see those tires showing up the most? We're, um, most of our business is, is actually in, in the sprayer world is, is to the equipment dealers. So, but a lot of the commercial applicator dealers, salespeople are working with the, with the true commercial applicators. And, but that said, the farmers, some of these big farms are getting four to five spray machines too. And they're realizing the, the value of flotation tires at certain times a year. So I would say it's a 75, 25, 25% is going to the farmers and 75 is going back to the dealer who's selling flotation tires with a piece of equipment what are some of the advantages um out there you're seeing right now as far as you know we start talking about combines and just opened up with uh you know how how harvest is kind of dragging along and, and some difficult situations we have out there as far as harvesting goes what are some of the situations or that you're seeing out there with uh with some of the tire demands that you're seeing on equipment well i think you know we might have talked about this in, in previous conversation but just the, the size of the equipment and how tires and the tire manufacturers are starting to catch up with, with the technology. But yeah, I was looking up for a customer earlier today. It's interesting. Uh, the modern John Deere combine with a 12 row folding head and an average of 350 bushels in the grain tank, uh -huh. is about 53,000 pounds on the front axle. Yeah. <laughs> um, in in the past, you take a like a typical nine hundred sixty five thirty two, which would have been on those combines in the past. They carry fifteen thousand seven hundred pounds at forty psi. So you're just a long ways off in in tires, and that relates to compaction. Um, we do a lot of work with Trelleborg and a little some work with Michelin and Firestone. Just compaction testing and the, the amount of, especially in wetter soils running a dual or, or something that has too much air pressure, you're, the tests go down that you're packing soil 20 inches down with even 12 to 15 ton on one axle. So I really think there's a lot of education to, to help producers understand if you can, if you can get reduce your compaction a 20 inch deep compaction is tested fact at a 15 percent crop loss in, in that area where the tires running so tires are getting wider you know some of that stuff we're putting on those big combines it was a traction issue but it's it's also a compaction issue you you put a tire out there that's 50 or 60 inches wide just makes the world a difference so talk to a little bit about when you're looking at tires and either one of two things either you don't have they're not they're overinflated or underinflated or they might not be to the load expectations um 
for your combine or your tractor or whatever it is that you're that you're using i mean obviously it's going to shorten the lifespan but but uh give, give me an idea what that looks like and, and how how much that can affect the overall performance of your tire yeah um well what we try to do is, is find out the application of the machine especially if we're working with the producer but um back up a little bit and a lot of times the conversations around tires start with how expensive they are. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> but the, the IF and VF technology that tire manufacturers are starting to get smart about it. And this started in Europe where they, I think they understood compaction a little bit sooner than we did in America. And if you can get an IF or VF, an IF tire specifically, will carry 20% more weights at less air pressure. A VF tire is another 20%, so it's 40% over a standard tire. And you start at carrying another two or 3,000 pounds with 15 or 20 less PSI. It just makes a world of difference. And you start to talk about, you know, a tire, and, and these are tests that we've done, the same tire with 35 PSI is going to compact to a 14-inch depth, um, and his ruts will be twice as deep as that very same tire with 12 PSI, carrying the same load on the same machine. So the understanding of what your machine weighs, what kind of soil it's running in, all of a sudden, a three or four hundred dollar difference in the price of the tire isn't really the conversation. Right. It's is the tire right for your application, and I I think we do a okay job, but I think there's a lot of education that could be had around this that really would help producers understand what they need in a in a combine or four wheel drive tractor. Or, you know, the the next piece of that is slip. If you can reduce slip 5% when you're running 800 hours a year, which isn't unheard of, even by dropping air pressure, all of a sudden you can pay for another three or $400 a tire by going to IF or VF technology. Yeah. I don't know if I answered your question, but. No, yeah, you did. You know, start talking about a little bit of safety issues now. I mean, we've got, we have these machines running up and down the road um, and we start seeing um, all the different you know, harvest traffic and stuff like that. Talk to me a little bit about uh, roading combines and tractors and stuff and how that, how those tires that you have on those, are, are, whether it be tire pressure or size or whatever it might be, how's that going to affect the overall safety of the piece of equipment? Well, it is, as you know, especially with the speed that this equipment goes today, that now I do hope that they're not running that equipment loaded up and down the road at that speed, but I'm sure it happens from time to time. If, if you're blowing out a tire going down the road at 30 mile an hour at 53,000 pounds on an axle, it's just, it's an incredible problem. I don't see a lot of that. What I see more is tire failures in the field that are just consistently overloaded and where guys have tried to cut corners and just go with a standard set of duels on a big combine when they really should have stepped up a size. How has the uh, the tariff issue uh, we see with China um, and well even with Mexico and 
and a little bit in Canada, but I think we've kind of got that figured out. But overall in China, how's that affected the tire business? That's a good question. Um, we see that affecting more the, the irrigation tire business because okay. a, lot of, a lot of tires and wheels coming in from China there. Um, there are some ag tires coming in from other countries, but America's got wise to that and are, are really competing well, I think, today, the American manufacturers already. So the tariff, as you know, has probably had more effect on the economy, the ag yeah. economy, than it has the, the tire world today. How about you? What do you what do you see in that? Oh, I, you know, the, the tariff thing, you know, we went from making our way out of this to being stagnant to going down. And, you know, I think, you know, I haven't checked my ticker today, but it looks like we might have had some uh, some good some good news, some bullish news anyway that came through. Um, and like I said, I need to go back and read through the report and see where it's at. But it looks like uh, December 18 corn closed up one and a quarter and December 19 closed up two and a half. So um, must have been some fairly decent um, news come out of there on that. You know, it's going to be one of those those things you look back on. It's going to be like anything else that we've that we've had to account with and for during during a downturn um would have been nice for this to happen outside of a uh an already struggling economy yeah that'd have been that'd have been great um it just it'll be interesting to see what happens uh come february and march uh with some exports that should be taking place there there looks like there's some some uh meetings kind of scheduled around the g20 deal and, and how those those are going to have a big effect on what happens with the market right now so i think to answer your question um could have it come at a uh, at a better time probably um but all that being said at the end of the day um the u.s the u.s farmers pretty resilient group of folks and uh i feel pretty confident they're gonna they're gonna weather this storm just like they've, they've weathered other storms as well so my hat goes off to them every day when they're out there uh, doing what they do. So um, I think 18 is going to be a year that they look back on during this during this downturn that um, it was probably the, the toughest year uh, that they went through. And um, I feel like we are at the bottom and we're going to work our way back out of it. And uh, we'll see where things end up on the other side, I guess. I would echo that. I do find that the manufacturers are pretty resilient too and when a door closes in one country, they just move molds and find plants in another country that doesn't have tariff applied to it. You know, I've had more people contact me from countries like Sri Lanka and India and Thailand and South Korea and Vietnam that are starting to manufacture different brands of ag tires that want to bring them to America because you know there's an opportunity today because the, the door in China's kind of closing. You know you're you're a you're a businessman. You've got you got you got your shops there in Gothenburg. You got the place up in Michigan. You got a place on the other on the across the border there in Canada. Um, you have reps and basically all that cover all 50 states. So, what's your feel for uh, the rest of 2018 moving into 2019? Well, with the late harvest and I don't feel like 2018 is going to finish real strong for us. Um, I see, as I drive around the country, I've seen more grain bags on the ground with corn stored at the end of the field. And what that tells me from my experience is they're not going to have cash. They're going to wait till they can sell at a profit. So 
I don't see a year-end bump this year. Maybe I'm a little pessimistic on that, but that's how I see this year playing out. I'm going into next year, again, getting a lot of positive feedback from manufacturers that it's going to be a decent year. And our Michigan area is growing really strong, and there's some there's a lot of other cash crops up in the um, Michigan that really help support that economy where it's not just corn and beans. So that's been real positive. Yeah, that, that has to help. That diversity has helped out here, especially, you know, even, even where you're at there in, in Gothenburg, there's, there's a fair amount of diversity away from soybeans in corn. There's lots of cattle and some hay production and stuff like that. So there's, there's plenty of things going on that are, uh, help diversify our, our, uh, our client base yeah i think the tractors are always going to roll the the land's always going to be a farm so there'll always be some some needed tires on wheels. what are you thinking what's your time of year yeah i think when i'm uh when i look at 2019 like i said i think 18 i feel i feel good about what what's coming down the pike um when i take a look at, at 2019 um <clears throat> I, I think that's where we're going to start going up and i think it's uh going to start continually to uh, kind of carry off. I'm not going to say it's going to just like rocket out of 2019. And we're going to, all the good stuff in the world's going to come back and it's going to be gumdrops and candy canes again. But what I'm saying is it's going to be uh, very much a, uh, a turning point in the economy. And I think we're going to start seeing some some uh, rebounds and, and some regrowth in, in areas uh, that we have. I mean, I, I tell you, our, our, uh, I'm pretty optimistic about what, what we see happening. Um I really feel like there's going to be a uh, a strong resurgence into uh, in, into 2019, and uh, you know, especially with the stuff that's happened in Brazil. You know, the the new president that they have elected down there, uh, what's his name, Bolsonaro or something like that. I can't remember his name. I probably butchered it anyway if I if I could remember it. But um, you know, he he's going he's very much a, a nationalist, and and he's he's kind of made well he's not kind of he has made a lot of statements about uh china and, and and the way china interacts with brazil and um so he's he's taking a look at um about how china is going to be um a role in their country and i think the way he's done that has made uh made china a little bit scary because as long as brazil was playing ball um you know they were going to have a place to go get the corn and the soybeans and the stuff that they needed to get they could they didn't need to get from the u.s and and if if uh brazil decides to uh do something different or have a different uh approach to how they deal with china then um you know it's going to make the make it pretty hard for them to get what they need to to you know for their food supply so um yeah i think that's why you see the chinese coming back to the table right now they went from being uh Nope, we're done. We'll let you know. We want to talk to. Hey, let's uh, let's have let's grab dinner and talk about yeah. this real quick. Um, so it's been a big change, and I think that had a lot to do with that. Um, when you uh, kind of reference all those things and put them into a into a scope, you know, that's kind of where my, my bullishness comes from. I, you know, not, I just feel like there's going to be a, a recharge there, and and uh, like I said, I don't think it's going to be just amazingly awesome by any means but it's going to be better than it's been in 17 and 18 that's kind of my thought well, that's good and i i could echo that i haven't followed brazil real well but we've we've got a manufacturer in argentina in rosario that builds our that green plastic rhinogator pivot tire i was talking to some guys down there 
just it's kind of the country where it's always about to happen. But today they're dealing with a four percent per month inflation, and so you're wow. you're talking forty eight percent per year, and it's just how how you even run a business and pay your employees and it's the government's really trying to do what's right but there's just so much instability and economic economic crisis all the time they just can't get in front of it so they can really grow grain to sell to the world they're just too busy trying to solve their problems i, I think they're i probably don't have the number quite right but their their dollar to our dollar went from seven to one to 35 to one in like three months yeah. So, yeah. America is still, at the end of the day, it's still the stability in the world, isn't it? What, however you want to say it. Yeah. Yeah. No matter how you want to cut that, that's that is a true statement. I mean, um, that's why our stock market. I mean, if you take a look around the world, we're I think we're the only stock market that that is not in some sort of uh, double digit loss for the year. You know what I mean? You know, so it's it, and probably that's why you've seen the volatility in the market. That you've seen so far, you know, you take a look around these these guys that are buying and selling stocks and hedge fund guys and everything else. Got to be looking around, going like, man, maybe we are a little too bullish on this, and maybe we need to back off of this a little bit. And that's maybe some of the volatility you see in the marketplace. Um, but I, I mean, I think overall, like you said, we're one of the safer places in the world to put your money. And and you know, you know Brazil had a pretty good reputation of corruption down there, and and. Uh, this new guy they have elected in there was one of the few that fought against that so there's got to be some you know i just think it's going to be a a new day for uh for brazil and a new day for the u.s when you start looking at how how china's dealt with moving forward we're all looking for a profitability for the farmer he's he's had four years of losses really in, in on average he needs a boost he and she needs a boost yeah there's been plenty of uh Man, there's been plenty of uh, of of just down downward spiral. I mean, every year's been worse, a little bit worse than the year before as far as commodity prices go. And uh, we get a little glimmer of hope, and then it it you know it's a, a tweet a tweet later, a news report later, and that uh, that whole thing comes crashing back down around you. So um, it's uh, it's been a tough a tough run for for a while here, but. Um, it's going to continue to be a tough run for a while and, and a tougher run anyway. And uh, it'll be like, but like what I said, I think I really do believe that we're going to be headed out of a, of a, of a tougher market than we've seen in the past. Well, that's good news. Now I am not an economist. I'm a used equipment guy. So <laughs> take that, take that advice with what you, with a grain of salt there. <laughs> Consider the source. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, let's talk about let's talk about Dawson Tower for a little while. What do you guys have going on right now that that uh, would be of interest to to some of the some of the folks out there? Um, just re- I don't know that we have anything super exciting right now. Just um, trying to actually keep our prices where they were. We a lot of manufacturers have taken some pricing increases. I'm not sure why, but we're working real hard to to try and keep prices pretty steady, knowing, knowing where the market is. Um, a lot of a lot of interest in our radial pivot tire still, getting, getting a lot of interest there. Um, and having a lot of dealer meetings, just working with some dealers, 
meet with their sales team, kind of trying to educate, trying to help people understand how to make better decisions with tires and wheels. That's really been our goal over the last six months. Yeah, that's always, a, you know, you think you need a, a set of tires, but you're not 100% for sure. I don't think anybody really knows what tires they need when they're talking about the application that they're in. And, um, uh, you know, it's just, it's one of those things you you want to hire specialists to do that. And, and you guys are that specialist and your, your team is dedicated to um, ag tires, whether it's, you know, tractors and combines or pivot tires. You know, that's that's your specialty. That's where you, that's where you guys uh, live, eat, and breathe every day. So you're the, uh, you're going to, you're going to be experts about that stuff or, and uh, you're gonna you're gonna know that that situation that we're in. So. It, yeah, definitely our passion, and I, I think I can say with confidence that I don't know of any other company quite like us in North America that all we do is ag tires and wheels. So yeah, you've uh, you're very niched in what you do. A lot of a lot of track stuff happening. Um, just a, definitely a growing demand. And I think we talked about this before. Not sure right solution, but there's a couple new companies coming around that are putting some competition in the track business which i think is a good thing because there's been pretty limited number of manufacturers there and a lot of growth in tracks especially in areas where you take that western saskatchewan or you know eastern washington and the minnesota area just lots and lots of tracks and replacement tracks so we're we're definitely having to learn more about that quickly so we can stay abreast yeah. of those things. The track marketplace is one of those areas that we are seeing a, uh, a growth in that we haven't seen in the past. Um, over the last 10 years out here, um, the track machine has gotten uh, a little little more every year uh, as far as uh, percent of the market goes. And uh, a lot of that has to do with uh, some crop production changes that we've had out here. We have a lot of potato guys out here. Uh, of late so they do prefer track machines over wheeled machines um we're starting to see that move in more and more um we've been getting some row crop guys that are starting to translate into some track units and then you start looking at uh the the, situ- the harvest situations we're in now and you start looking at um you know the track systems on the front of combines and Mudhog came out with a, uh, a rear end that was designed for in a, a track unit that, that would go on the rear end so you could have a uh, fully tracked combine um, out there working in the field. So what what is the, uh, what is the I guess, the uptake, I guess, out there? And, and how much of the conversation are you having with customers now around tracks? Um, well, I think in the big picture, the, these harvest situations are unique and special to the wet conditions. Yep. Um, pretty, pretty high dollar changeovers compared to even going with LSWs or a 1250-32, something like that. But um, in the bigger picture, the conversation is around compaction again, Casey. The, these quad track machines, John Deere's got theirs out. Casey's had one for a while. It's, it is a compassion and <laughs> compaction and slippage issue, and that's what's that's what's selling it. And when you're talking, you know, a, a ten or fifteen percent yield loss, it's not hard to justify that extra cost over big acres. The downside to tracks is 
where we really see track failures is where there's a lot of road going on. Yeah, they don't. Those tracks don't hold up very well on the road if for long distances, anyway. You know what I mean? Don't like the heat and don't don't like the speed. And they just they heat up and and there's a lot of alignment issues. It's really a specialty job to install a set of tracks, right? Yeah, it, it's a little more to it than just slapping tires on a rim and bolting them on there. There's a, there's a little more to it than than anything else. Definitely not going away. No. Nope, I, I think I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of tracks. I think they have their uh, their place in agriculture, and I think it's uh, it's uh, with the price of tires there right now. That used to be the the biggest differentiation was the price of you know two new tracks versus eight new tires. You get the eight new tires cheaper than you get the tracks. Well, anymore, it's it's kind of flipped. You know the the, the track versus tire thing. Um, there's uh, something to be said about the the. Uh, the price of tracks compared to, to retiring a, a full driver, a, a you know, a front dueled um, row crop tractor or something like that. There's a, there's a, it's not as cheap as it used to be. There's not the differentiation there that used to be um, on, on those, on those pricings. No, as the, as the machines get bigger and the tires just get way more expensive, it seems like you can, the same size track will handle a lot bigger machine where the same size tire wouldn't. All right. Well, Eric, we've been going for a while here. Um, I'd like to thank thank you and Dawson Tire for uh, being my being a sponsor here on the podcast, and and uh, I really appreciate all you, what you guys have done for uh, for me in this podcast over the uh, course of the uh, of the year here. No, again, thanks for the opportunity. Enjoyed chatting. Hope somebody in the audience picks up some little tidbit from it that's worth listening to. <laughs> me too. <laughs> If, uh, if folks want to reach out and find Dawson Tire, where would they do that at? Um, well, our phone number is 888-604-3403, or you can find us at www.dawsontire.com. All right, Eric. Well, I appreciate you being on the show, and we will uh, talk to you down the road, man. Thanks, Casey. Have a great evening. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire & Wheel, the premier ag tire and wheel provider in North America. Get a grip. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. I'd like to thank Eric McPherson for being my guest. Remember, if you want to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Here you can find Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger and Angie Setzer, and also Tax Moves with Glenn Birnbaum. Please visit movingironllc.com. Here you can find information for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee, past and current episodes of Moving Iron Podcasts, and articles for Moving Iron Blog. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at your favorite podcasting platform. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out. Moving iron in the 21st century.